Welcome to Contributor Wednesday on Bridge the Gap Network. In this series, you'll hear from thought leaders on a variety of topics dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the senior living industry. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Contributor Wednesdays. I'm James Lee, and thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to spend uh, about 30 minutes or so with you. Uh, I am so, so excited to be a part of this uh, inaugural class of uh, contributors to Bridge the Gap. Thanks so much to Josh and Lucas and Sarah and the BTG team for uh, inviting uh, some of us to be part of the expansion of this universe. And uh, can't wait to hear uh, my colleagues and, and their podcasts and, and see this thing grow. Uh, but again, very, very happy to be a part of this. And um, we'll, we'll dig right in. Uh, so I have had about 12 years in senior living. And the, the short elevator pitch here is that I started off as a caregiver and a concierge at a assisted living community in Austin, Texas. And that was meant to be a part-time job while I was applying to law school and uh, considering some other options. And little did I know, right? And, and here I am 12 years later. Uh, I've had the great, great fortune of being in roles ranging from uh, lifestyles director to you know, four or five different roles in sales uh, and had some really cool opportunities to uh, work for some great organizations, big and small and medium uh, all over the country. And what that exposure did for me was just to have the repetition to see patterns in our industry. And um, so where I am now in my career, I'm, I'm hoping to um, carve out you know, my corner of, of that influence to, to help our industry be better in, um, you know, in a way that uh, resonates with me. So that's kind of how the the six-part series of this Contributor Wednesday show will go. And um, when I think about what topic really resonates with me today, and, and probably for a while, um, you know, the, the, the one-two punch uh, strategy of senior living, as I have seen it, typically goes down two lanes. Uh, one is operational efficiency, and the second is sales excellence. And of course, both of those things are necessary. They are critical to success of any sales uh, organization, any senior living um, operations. And I think there's plenty of thought leadership in both of those avenues. Uh, so I, I wanted to go a little bit different um, with, with my direction. So the idea that's really just kind of sat with me and, and I think um, is, is my way of uh, serving this industry is the topic of organizational psychology. And no, I'm certainly not a uh, organizational uh, psychologist. Uh, I haven't directly done uh, the work that um, these professionals do. But, uh, you know, certainly in the learning and development roles that I've been in, I've been in uh, similar roles with close enough proximity to a lot of these uh, same core concepts and skill sets. And uh, truth be told, the, the years that I spent being a sales trainer for Emeritus and then subsequently Brookdale uh, really informed a lot of these uh, interests uh, into how we can really serve seniors through the work of organizational behavior. And so that's what organizational psychology is. It's the science of human behavior related to workplaces. 
And more specifically than that, what I'm interested in is um, how do we influence the outcomes, uh, the, the performance of our organizations through the management of the people processes? And so it's not just you know, your traditional thoughts of human resources, uh, while, although certainly it encompasses all of that. Um, this is very, very specific to talk about what is organizational culture? Um, how does uh, you know the, the the way that people manage conflict have anything to do with the financial performance of that community? Well, I, I believe it. It's actually quite a lot, and so the the soft skills, uh, what's often considered the soft parts of business, um, motivation, job satisfaction, employee orientation. Um, leadership skills, team commitment. These, these are all categories that uh, all together encompass a pretty big uh, differentiation between one community or one company and another. I'd be willing to bet that if you opened up the financial statements of senior living organizations and, and just put them all up on a whiteboard, um, if you were to take the top performing organizations or the top performing communities within organizations, I'll bet you there's a direct correlation between the top performers and the ones who are doing the meaningful work of curating and moving the culture within their team. So my uh, Bridge the Gap contributor series will really focus on organizational psychology. And this first episode, I thought, uh, would start with organizational culture. So what is culture? Why is it important for us to understand it? What do we do with it? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that at least you know, for the next 25 minutes or so. And I'd love your thoughts, by the way. Uh, so as we're going, if there's anything uh, that, that I speak about that resonates with you, comment in, in the show notes, um, connect with me on LinkedIn, message me. I really would love to have a dialogue with you uh, rather than just speak through your uh, speakers, if you're listening on the car or on your workout. Well, hopefully you're not listening to this during your workout. It's going to be a pretty, pretty sad workout. So hope you're listening after your workout. Okay, let's transition. Organizational culture, it's, you know, it's the unique social and psychological environments of the business. Um, so as a company, you can have organizational culture. But as a community, as a senior living community, you can have a subset uh, culture. You can, truth be told, you could probably have a completely unique culture uh, from one community to the next. And so I think that the skilled leader is going to really understand uh, and be able to define what culture is, um, how to break it apart, how to identify you know, what, what, what the true culture is within their organization and then most importantly, how they utilize that knowledge to move their team forward to better results. And let's face it, if, if we don't get the results, I think we can all agree, no matter what you know, corner of senior living we're in, if we don't perform well, we don't get to serve our mission. And so whatever dialogue we're having uh, across our industry, whether it's you know, just a hyper focus on sales or employee turnover or um, efficiencies, uh, capital markets, it, anything that we could possibly talk about, we're going to achieve success through people. And it, and it really starts with culture. Uh, 
So, you know, the, the, the components of culture that I have seen that, that kind of make sense in my head uh, are what I want to talk about. It's not the only way to think about culture, but it gives me some kind of, um, kind of method to, to make sense of it. So the four parts of organizational cultures I see it are values, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. So that's values, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. So let's start with values. It's the thing that we tend to talk about most. Um, most organizations in senior living have core values. Uh, they might call them cornerstones, but these are kind of your your mission critical um, uh, marks of identity within your organization. So, you know, it might sound like integrity, honesty, um, excellence, uh, empowerment. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of different values that that our senior living uh, industry um, has within the organizations. And truth be told, a lot of them are very similar. You know, I, I'd be willing to bet that you take uh, integrity, and that's probably a value within most of our organizations. So if we are not differentiating ourselves by our values, what's the point in kind of learning all of this in the first place, Right. Um, well, that's kind of the point of this podcast and, and the dialogue I'd like to have with people. So here it is. Here, here's what values is for me. It's the sum of your beliefs categorized. So it is the sum of your beliefs categorized. Um, think about it this way. Um, so let's let's pick one value and just kind of stick with that uh, and keep coming back to it. So let's just choose honesty. If honesty is a value um, which which we hold uh, to to be of importance to us individually and as an organization, um, beyond just seeing it on a piece of paper, beyond just talking about it at your stand up meeting, um, what what value can we extract from having a value in the first place? So, if values are the sum of your individual beliefs categorized. Um, Beliefs, let's, let's define that real quick. Beliefs are the individual ideas that we accept as true. They are what we call our uh, personal convictions. So here's the interesting thing. Um, people can hold the same value, but have very, very different beliefs that make up that value, right? So as an example, maybe one of my core beliefs um, that contribute to the value of honesty is that I believe that a white lie is a lie. A white lie is a lie regardless of our intention. Um, It's dishonesty, so I choose not to uh, give white lies. How does that impact our industry specifically? Well, probably most of you, when I I talked about the white lie, you're probably thinking about memory care, right? Um, How can we navigate... That, that kind of gray area of is it therapeutic lying uh, to help you know a senior who's struggling with um, frustrations of dementia to say um, yes your your mother will be here at four o'clock when their mother has been uh, passed away for decades you know th- this is this is the stuff that at an individual level if you have a caregiver who believes a white lie is a lie no matter what, um, their value of honesty is is still the same value that you hold, 
But understanding that different beliefs make up their version of that value is going to be pretty important to the leader. So, you know, we can't get lost every day in just um, trying to understand what are the hundreds of different beliefs that each of us hold uh, that make up this value. But certainly having the intention or the capacity to find that out as a leader is pretty important. It is important to how you mold and change that person um, so that you can kind of meet eye to eye and say, hey, you know, we're after the same thing, uh, but we're coming at this from different angles. And so having the language and the ability to kind of um, talk with people about why friction might exist is the first step to clearing that friction. So values are the sum of your beliefs categorized and beliefs are the individual things that make it up. So just to use a metaphor here, think of, um, think of like a, a pantry in your kitchen uh, and you have a shelf and the shelf uh, or the shelves rather um, have lots of jars on it. So just picture a, you know, a four shelf a uh, system that has a bunch of clear jars just stacked on them. Each of those jars are values. They're categories of beliefs. The things that are inside the jar are the ingredients. They're the beliefs, the individual things that make up the values. Okay, so I'll, I'll expand that metaphor as we go. We've talked about values. We've gone over beliefs. Now, the third part is attitudes. Attitudes are the expression of the values. Attitudes are the way that we express the value that we hold. So again, this is pretty important as a leader to understand that we can hold the same values, but we are going to express those differently. Beliefs are, are very kind of uh, historic. You know, they're based on kind of how you were nurtured, how you grew up. Beliefs don't typically change uh, over time. Uh, they're pretty well-grounded. Um, attitudes are very forward-facing. Attitudes are how I express my values every day. So going back to the example of honesty, if, if my belief, so if, if my core belief, one of my beliefs is a white lie is still a lie, I'm going to express honesty differently than someone who, who believes um, that you know, a, a therapeutic lie is is well intended, and so it's okay, right? So I, I don't have any judgment about which which one is right or wrong, but just just commentating that two different beliefs can make up the same value. So those two caregivers, let's say, are going to express their values differently. And 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 look, when we don't understand how to uh, bring people to the table. And help people understand, you know, why there there might be conflict between the two. Um, leaders just get lost in, you know, saying, "Hey, look, agree to disagree. Let's just let's all be adults and move forward." Well, you, you can only use that card so much, so often before people just label that leader um, not present, you know, in the culture. So, attitude. So, going back to the pantry analogy, values are the jars in your pantry. Beliefs are the individual ingredients that go into those jars. So if attitudes are the expression of values, it would be, um, you know, different ways of using the ingredients to create a meal. So you could stock a pantry 
with the exact same ingredients, and two chefs are going to come up with completely different ways to present a meal to you. Well, that's attitudes. So when leaders say of a person, "Well, they just didn't have the right attitude," well, what are we saying? They they might have held the same beliefs, the same values, but they expressed it differently. And can we live with the fact that people are going to express values differently within our teams and differently within our organizations? I'd be willing to bet that most people are going to kind of reactively say, "Yes, of course, we we." Have room for different、um, kinds of thoughts、uh, throughout our organization, and that that makes us better. That's nice to say. That's nice to hear. But、um, well, let's think about it this way. Here, here's a question I would challenge us with: How many of you have ever come across a situation where the stated values of the organization? Contradicted what you saw in daily practice. Yeah, I, I, I'd be willing to bet most of us have seen that, and and, and it's not a criticism of our individual companies.、Uh, it's just an observation, certainly, that we have ex- we have experienced this broadly and consistently enough that we all understand what I'm saying right now. That the stated values are different from what we see every single day. Well, why does that happen? I think that the the reason that that happens is that we have kind of a set it and forget it way of creating cultural values. You know, we we say at the onset of the formation of that company, here are the core values of our organization, and and then that's it. You know, we 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 talk about it, we put it out in our orientation material, we you know speak to it at our stand up meetings. But we we don't really do the hard work of understanding、uh, and molding and doing something with all that data. So that's another reason that I think this conversation is more vital now、um, if we're going to move forward into a new era of senior living. The, the best senior living companies aren't going to have、um, advantage in location. They're not going to have an advantage in Uh, product type、uh, or pricing, it's going to be the people. It's going to be the people within their organizations、um, believing in their product so much that that the families believe it too. And so, if we want families and residents to be a part of our culture, well, we got to be pretty good at、uh, creating that culture ourselves. Okay, let's let's summarize where we are so far. That's a lot of stuff to get through. Values, beliefs, and attitudes. Are, you know, the, the the, well, to go back to the metaphor, it's the pantry. It's the pantry that we all have. We've got the jars, values. We've got beliefs, the ingredients that go into that, and then we've got attitudes, the expression of those values.、Uh, so how we put a meal together. Behaviors is the fourth category, and I think it's unique among this set. Behaviors are the. Norms—they're the daily habits of your organization. So it's the thing that you see, it's the thing that you feel.、Um, most, you know, day-to-day interactions in a community, in a senior living community,、um, we, we don't outwardly talk about, "Hey,、um, I I notice that you're expressing your value differently than mine." You know, it,、uh, clearly we don't speak like that. But 
we can, of course, see、um, you know, how people are behaving throughout the day. And I think this is the important thing for leaders and why this topic of organizational psychology and development is important for us to enhance and improve. Behaviors are the arena of work for a leader. We, we can't really、uh, easily or readily change people's beliefs.、Um, and if we can't change people's beliefs, we have, we're going to have a very hard time moving people's values. We might have a shot at understanding、uh, their attitudes, how they express those values. But really, the day to day work is in the behaviors. How do we change the daily norms, the daily habits and actions of individual、uh, team members within our organization?、Um, I think the way that our industry currently does that, the way that we try to measure culture within an organization,、uh, falls really short.、Uh, we mean well, we certainly mean well, but we, we fall short of doing something with all of that data. So here's an example.、Um, think about if your company has done something like a, an annual、um, audit, an, an annual、uh, employee satisfaction survey.、Okay? Most companies do something like that.、Um, I've even known and, and seen organizations that do what they call culture audits. So they'll have regionals or corporate officers go out to communities and interview people, ask people, hey, How happy are you with the job here?、Um, what do you love most about this place? What do you not like about this place? The, the problem with surveys、uh, and the problem with you know, doing auditing the, the, that way is that by the act of trying to measure something, you're going to change the result. You know, by the act of trying to measure that thing, you're going to change the result. So,、um, think about a survey, and if you, you know, gave somebody a Score between one and seven and said, please rate your level of satisfaction in your job. One, you hate it. Seven, you love it. And let's say you aggregate all of that data and you figure out in our organization, people rated this 4.2. Great. What, what do you do with that? What do you do with that number 4.2?、Um, so, again, it, it means、uh, we mean well by trying to measure that data, but That data isn't very actionable.、Um, and certainly, if we don't do all of the intermediary steps of working with culture and understanding it, then the data is pointless. There's no reason for the data if we're not doing the other work associated with it.、Um, and then the other part, you know, doing those culture audits where you have leaders going out and asking people, how do you, how do you feel about this place? Again, you know, there's no way around the fact that those.、Um, Interpersonal dynamics between people、uh, is going to influence the way people answer that question. So, how, do, how does a leader actually go about measuring culture within their organizations? I think one of the ways that you can do this is that you can、uh, secret shop your new employees. So, think about that. Think about how much time and effort and money we spend doing secret shops of our salespeople. Right? The intention there is let's, let's understand the behaviors of our salesperson. Well, if you want to understand the behaviors of your organization, there is no clearer litmus test for that than how a new employee sees their workplace. So the sweet spot here, I think, is about a week into the job. 
But just just picture this. Imagine you have a secret shopper coming into your community who's playing the role of a job seeker. So Bob, our secret shopper, is coming into the, the community and is applying for the role of caregiver. And let's say that you found a way to get your new employee about a week into their job to go talk to that person. So, you know, your, your business office director might say, hey, um, I got to finish up this phone call, but I want to be polite and um, address the person who's in the lobby filling out the application. Would you mind spending, you know, 10, 15 minutes with them? So there's your premise. That's the setup. Bob, the secret shopper, might ask some questions that are going to feel very authentic, very organic, and this is how you're going to measure culture. So let's say Bob asks uh, Sally, your new um, caregiver who's been there for a week, Bob says, hey, you know, I, I'm very career-oriented and I really want to get ahead. Um, I know you've only been here a week, but what, what do you think is the best way that somebody's going to get ahead at this company? I mean, think about how telling that answer is going to be from Sally. So at a time when she is going to be most receptive to picking up all of these clues, what if Sally says, you know, I think the best way that people get ahead here is you just stick around. You know, all the people who are in high positions here, they've just been here the longest. So that's a very different answer than what if Sally said, you know, it seems like the people who are in the higher positions here um, are the ones that really help their teammates. Like they, they always pick up open shifts. Um, they do, you know, coaching, they help people in the orientation. Those two are very, very different scenarios. And those answers are going to tell you a whole lot about your organization. In answer one, you know, if you, if you're here the longest, um, you know, think about what, what does that say about the value of that team? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that you get a clear indication that um, it, longevity um, uh, kind of loyalty, you know, that, that those behaviors are rewarded in an organization. Uh, whereas the second answer of helping other people, well, that's a very different value, you know, being, um, being helpful and contributing to the team, teamwork. Those are going to be, you know, a different set of values. Some other questions that Bob could ask in this scenario is, um, what's this place like compared to where you just came from? Now, that's a very cool open-ended question that can take uh, Sally in multiple directions. You know, Sally might say, you know, what I really like about this place is that, you know, when I take my lunch breaks, the managers are also in the break room with us. That's pretty cool. Again, a good indication of what culture is actually like on a day-to-day -day basis. So if Sally said, you know, one of the things I don't really like about this place is that everybody keeps saying we're not here to make friends. You know, that we're all here to do a job. We don't have to be friends, but we have to respect one another. Now, if your new employee says everybody keeps saying I'm, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to work, then, you know, that that's very specific about the the, the commentary of culture, you know, in your organization. Um, these are really, really um, meaningful ways that leaders can assess what is the true pulse of their team and then go about, you know, um, changing and affecting that. Um, 
think about it this way. If, we're, if we don't understand values, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors, how on earth are we recruiting the right people with the right values? If you were to listen in on the typical caregiver interview, the you know 90% of that interview probably focuses on where did you work, what's your experience, when are you ready, why do you like working with seniors? Now that last question we assume you know gets at do we have the same values? But again, if you think earlier about you know this commentary that people can hold the same values but express them differently. And we got to have different ways that we're interviewing and recruiting for people. Think more about even your leadership. How, How are we as organizations recruiting leaders into our organizations? Again, if we're interviewing solely based on where did you work? What's your sales philosophy? Um, how do you handle conflict? Again, they're, they're very kind of superficial unless we understand to get at the answer beneath the answer. So um, if you're not doing some kind of a behavioral uh, analysis, if you're not doing some kind of a, um, you know, a check of, of, of how somebody thinks and behaves, then your interview process is just hiring a resume and not a person. So organizational culture, if we really want to move our organizations forward, we got to first start with making this topic important in our industry. So, you know, I hope that that's what we're going to be able to do. Um, You know, and and my commentary here in this six-part series is really going to focus around different ways that we can move culture forward. And I hope that through the course of my career, I'll be able to uh, influence that and, and, and move that forward uh, as an industry. Because, you know, times, they are a-changing. And if we don't get better at, you know, a- attacking the problem of turnover in our industry, um, of being the same, you know, we're, we're going to just become a commodity like fruit, you know, like sen- senior living is going to be... No different than somebody just saying, I'm going to go with the lowest price. And and I happen to believe that this quote-unquote soft skill work of organizational development, of learning and development, conflict management, change management, that these skill sets and leaders are the thing that are going to make um, organizations succeed in the, in the years to follow. So I hope you'll join me on that journey uh, through these conversations. Again, connect with me in these show notes, uh, comment on the LinkedIn post, um, or email me. I'm, I'm happy to engage with you. Uh, thanks so much for letting me be a part of this and, and share 30 minutes of your day. It, it means a lot to me, um, and, and I don't take that for granted. So can't, can't wait to do a few more of these with y'all, and... Um, Hope you are having an amazing day um, living your mission. Uh, Thanks for listening to uh, an episode of Bridge the Gap Contributor Wednesdays. Thanks for listening to Contributor Wednesday series on Bridge the Gap Network. For more information about the contributors and for a full library of episodes, visit btgvoice.com.